This is David Poland, and this is the audio podcast version of DP30. Today, Mike Mills, director of Come On, Come On. Hi. Hey, how are you? Good to see you okay. again. Good to see you. Yeah. Are you are you a tech guy? No, I'm a Luddite. Kate's <laughs> you, way of fans. Do all this stuff? Uh, I, I'm a Luddite, but my nine-year-old is a um, hacks into my computer all the time and does all sorts of things I can't uh, figure out. Yeah. He knows everything. Knows everything. Knows how to. Know, I've done many Zoomers. Stuff is stuck stuck to my face. You know that <laughs> my kid put in there, and that I can't get off. And I have meetings like that. Yeah. Yeah. I did a Zoom recently with somebody who was in the original West Side Story, and he was looking like this through the most of the show, most of the conversation. And I, kind of like I was so busy like trying to just chat with him that I forgot to say, "Hey, pick up your face." <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, I actually had him pose for the camera so I could see his face for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very retro. Um, so your movie, for me, it was like old home week. It was like it was it, it hit me in all the every right way there was to hit me. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, of course, I have an eleven-year-old. <laughs> so it's right in your zone. Yeah. Yeah, it's right in my zone. Where did this idea start for you? My my nine-year-old, who was a six-year-old then, and just being, um, you're a parent, so this will all be known to you but like you know just the way that your kid completely changes your heart and your understanding of the world at large and intimacy and the meaningfulness of being needed and the way that your kid like sees right through you right in so many different ways all these things you perfectly hid from everyone else your kids is like boom there it is and uh uh and what which is actually an amazing gift really you know in terms of just growing and expanding and all that and and just child concerns um like um, a lot of my kids, teachers and, and other moms I've met through like my, the kid community are so good at like, um, just like this kind of deep respect for children. And like, yes, they're developmentally different, but they're no, they're no less than or anything. They're not, they're not cute. They're not simple. They're not all that stuff. Like people who really live that, I find that really profound and, and like a great way to be around kids. And I was trying to get that into the movie somehow. And then like two, that's also, so I had a kid in like 2016, all that happened, like America revealing itself or whatever you want to call it, you know? And so I also had this great need to kind of think about my intimate story in a larger way, like as it relates to America or as it relates to like our, what's happening in our world. And I don't have any great, smart, brilliant things to say about that. It, it confuses me as much now as it did when I started the film. But that's why I really wanted to shove those two characters like into the world, like into these different cities, like and have them be surrounded by all these other kids' voices, you know. Did he what did he become an uncle from the beginning as opposed to a dad or so that was that was one of the ways. So for a while there, I knew I wanted to make well, my heart wanted to make a movie about my kid. And that's you know me, and that's the way I make movies. Um and um, but I didn't know how to do it because my kid's alive and my kid's um, like my parents weren't alive when I made movies about them. So I had mm. kind of like a grace in a weird way. Um, um, as long as I had just had to have this agreement in my head, like I'm going to see them later at some point. I'm going to have to explain myself, you know, like that. If I could live by that. It was cool. But I once I had did, a, I did, I did an interview with Sarah Polly for one of her movies and she said something about her. She had just had a kid yeah. and she said something. And then she said, could you afterwards, she asked me to take it out of the interview 
Yeah. She thought someday, 20 years later, 15 years, her kid might see it and hold her to it. <laughs> and well, it, was, it was too horrifying. So she, went, she asked me to take it out. So I, I had concern. I have and had a lot of concerns like that, like how to not make too much of a shadow across my kid's path, you know, and not interfere with their life or their mysteries, their mysteries, right? So I had, to, it took me a long time to kind of figure out how to make it different from us and how to kind of separate from us. And yes, take some of the kind of journalistic quality of living with this person and reporting from things I've really seen, but finding just the things that I knew were safe to share and the things that I felt like were not gonna be shared and, and private. And then, and then the writing process, which it always does, it, it, that's the seed and the kernel and the heart that you, you're always going away from it as you write, you know, or other things are happening to you, other stories, other kids' stories. Uh, the whole orphan thing is from Aaron Desner's kid, uh, mm. who is from the National and worked on the score with me. So things like that, you're, you're kind of finding things in the world, things in your life, and things just that writing shows you, or writing brings you that are, well, you didn't see coming, aren't, aren't exactly about my kid, you know what I mean? Or even ways to transform it. So like my kid did say the line, be funny when you can't. That was their advice to me when I was whining about writing and how I couldn't do it. I didn't know if I should be funny or serious or what. And that was their advice from the tub, you know? <laughs> but then in the writing process, it becomes something that the dad says to, to Jesse, and then Jesse tells to Johnny. So there's a lot of like transmutations like that, or what do we call it? Like things transform and take new faces and stuff like that. That made me feel safe enough that I could do it, you know? And do the, so the, the other kids, the, the teenagers, I guess, who were being interviewed, was that all just, I assume that was not scripted in any way. Yeah, no, it's not scripted. Um, so was that something you did before you shot the rest of it or was it all was part of it or... That was part of it. And that was really great that it was part, it was part of our everyday shoot days. And we, we shot an order. So LA, New York, New Orleans, and then we shot up to Detroit at the end to do that. But so in New York and New Orleans, because Jesse, Woody, Norman, you know, he was like 10 when we're shooting. So kid, kid shooting hours are really short. They're like six, seven hours. So we had time at the beginning or the end of the day mm. to go do an interview and then changes your whole mindset. You know, if you're a guest in someone's house, making this young person vulnerable or asking them to tell you something, you're kind of like on your, not just on your best behavior, but on your most sensitivity, I feel like. Mm -hmm. and, and, and just the stakes of what's really going on for all these kids. If the film is about sort of child respect or child sensitivity for adults, right? Mm -hmm. Doing that all the time and meeting these people, these young people who are like ready, willing and able to share intense things about their life. It kind of sensitized, not just Joaquin and me or Molly, but like the whole film crew, you know? Mm -hmm. Like documentary film process is such a gentler, less acquisitional mode of thinking. It's kind of like, what can I find in your home that I'm a guest in, right? Mm -hmm. And if you actually walk onto your set that way, your set being this one of my friend's houses, really, you know? <laughs> um, um, it's, it's a good way to go, or I, I found it really, there was benefits to the narrative filmmaking part that came from the documentary filmmaking part. So was Joaquin a natural interviewer? Yeah. I mean, he was really scared of it. He always thought, he always said Molly did it better. He always <laughs> felt like he wasn't doing it great, but he was so good. And he was coming against this headwinds of like a lot of those kids going like, you're the Joker. Cause it, you know, it's like fall, <laughs> late fall, 2018. Right. It's like we're shooting in November, December, 2019. And, and Joaquin was so good at being like, oh, oh, cool. If you want to talk about that, let's do that later. Right now, I'm interested in like your room or like your shirt or whatever. 
mm. and walk, he, he would take his actor intensity or his actor energy, which is, you know, a powerful thing. And he would just give it to the kid, right? He would just be mm. like, I am totally interested in you. And he was. And that actually Joaquin is like as a person too. Like, I think he actually, I think he's really interested in other people and doesn't want to talk about himself at all, you know, and, and really is interested in young people and kids. So it was a natural fit, but I found him to be a really powerful interviewer. And we, we had, had, there was like a list of questions that I wrote that he would start with, but of course, mm-hmm. you know, he's following like you, like he's following the conversation. He's following the bead of energy through. Yeah, you seem to like actors who don't want to talk about themselves. Really? <laughs> That's been yeah. my experience. Yeah. I'm still waiting for my Annette Benning interview. Oh, all yeah. These years later. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No, Annette and Joaquin would be two of your tougher people. Yeah. And yeah. Chris wasn't really, Chris Plummer wasn't really thrilled about talking about himself either. Yeah, he was very yeah, good at it, but yeah. he wasn't happy to do it. Yeah, that's funny. Well, also, those are three of the most seasoned actors I've ever come across. Right. So they've just been doing the game forever. But Joaquin has really has, has a real sensitivity to honesty and dishonesty. And I think it's hard to like find a way to be real in the interview setting, mm. you know. So how did Joaquin get into this? Was this after you wrote the script and kind of had it laid out or did you talk earlier? Or? So no, I had worked on the script for a long time and had it all worked out. And I, I would have I think I've tried to get Joaquin to be in all my movies, you know? Um, so, you know, that wasn't like a new thought, but it was a really, I adored what happened or it was such an, a powerful, interesting, changing thing. What happened is like, he came to meet me, which is really, he read it right away. He came to meet me because Chelsea Bernard is my producer and they have a relationship. So I had kind of like an in and but he came to meet me to be kind of to say like, oh, this is interesting, but I can't really do it. Like, I don't know how to get into it. I don't, this guy I can't find a way, you know, or, or tell me about it. Cause I'm confused. Like it was like that. So it was basically like a really polite, sweet, no, you know, but we really kind of hit it off and we just like, we cracked each other up and there's some kind of like ease, I think, but I thought it was over and I was like, damn, I like him so much, you know? Um, but then I got like a text a few days later. It was like a question, just a straight question about the issues, you know? Then we started meeting and we would just read through it. I have to read all the other parts and he would just read his part. <laughs> Terrifying, but he's really lovely. Whatever anyone thinks about him, he's the most funny, smart person, I, you know, and just big hearted. And, and, um, and he just, had a lot of questions not just about his role about the whole thing about motherhood about um about naturalism and filmmaking like how do you do it where it's not like naturalism in quotes which is the most annoying construct there is you know and um and about where i was overtelling things which was so helpful Mm -hmm. to me like have an act like an embodied come an actor comes to it from an embodied place and be like you don't need to say that you know like oh god thank you you know or or um or like where i was virtue signaling you know like as a as a straight white man just like please like me you know please don't think i'm evil and um joaquin's like you gotta stop doing that you gotta like let him have flaws let him let him fuck up let him or you gotta earn these nicer parts you know Mm. and and that was so helpful right that's like a real blessing and from someone who's coming to it with compassion and and all that so so but just so much, he's really smart. And, and so there was a lot of change that happened, but I didn't know if he was going to do the movie through all the stuff. I had no idea. And I couldn't know. And he couldn't know. He would, I think he would have liked to have said yes, but he's like, I can't, 
I don't want to promise you something I can't deliver on, you know? Right. So that went on for like months. <laughs> and I, um, and we'd have like maybe once or twice a week, we'd have these like three, five hour meetings like that, which mm. I agree, which I found really quite magical. I gotta say like this really, um, I don't know. Um, just one of the best collaborative camaraderie things I've ever gone through. Mm. So I, so the script was changing, 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 not just, it's not like I was doing line changes for him. It was like the whole thing based on his questions and all that, and our mm-hmm. conversations was changing. Um, and that kind of went all the way till um, we got finance and all the way till um, uh, I started casting for Woody, casting for the Jesse character. Mm-hmm. And so then Joaquin was there to do an audition with Woody and like a couple other kids that were like contenders. Mm. Yeah. And Gabby's involvement? So Gabby is another person I've always loved and didn't know and, and was really quite intimidated by. Like, I think she, like, she just reads so smart, so wickedly smart and all of her stuff. And, like, and so not giving a fuck. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and it's, those two things are kind of true. Like when a most big hearted kind of spiritual person I've met maybe uh, ever. So, and then when I was like, okay, if Joaquin, Gabby, like they look at this, their faces. And uh, like, that's a lot how I cast Christopher and Ewan. It's just like, you see, Mm. I put pictures of them together. I'm like, yeah, like familial or just my intuition is saying, yes, this is all Mm -hmm. gonna act and work out. So I had the same kind of feeling, but I took, I met Gabby and as just asked her to meet me, I said, I have a script I wanna show it to you, but I wanna explain to you first because I'm afraid you're just gonna say no. I don't want you to meet me, you know? And, and she scoffs when she hears this. She doesn't think I'm telling the truth, but that is the truth. I didn't think she was, I thought she'd think it was just too much of like supportive mom, female character and not like right. strong, not enough meat, you know? So I wanted to make it so she would do it. Um, but she was, we just, again, are, are just, just sitting down, having dinner, having a conversation just about life that does interrelate with the movie, but it's much more than the movie. That just like just flowed and happened and we're still like great friends, like me and both of them. And 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 I think for all of us, it just was a sense of like, okay, something will work out here. You know? Yeah. Did her character grow at that from that point on, or was it always written the way it's written? Because I mean that's a really un, it's an unusual thing for a film like this to take that kind the side the sidetrack exists, the B story, whatever, but it's really intense and it's really um significant it's not it is not just a side story yeah it's where everything more real dramatic things are happening right in her side and then she gets like this long kind of bio from the kid and then in in heart in reality they're just always talking about her or trying to figure her out the two men are kind of often triangulating back to her and that was i kind of figured that out in the writing like oh it's a it's a triangle back to her or Mm -hmm. or like she's the the absent center that they're that the movie you're following this planet but the planet is orbiting her right and you, mm-hmm. you only you see her once in a while but that's the that for me that's how i figured out how to write it um did she grow up well all the no like the all the main elements were there like she always had that bio that jesse tells about my mom does this my mom does that right. and she but gabby is a great improviser gabby things would happen like we're waiting to set up a scene and Gabby's doing shoop, like salt and pepper shoop, just like knows all the lyrics and just like barreling it out, just like hanging out doing that. And I'm like, oh, can you put that, can we put that in this scene over here? And so like, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
um, what else happened like that? She, she, and the, the, the version of motherhood that I have in the film is something she was simpatico with and she's, she's a mom. So there's sometimes mm-hmm. where she's, you know, she's explaining, um, doing a, uh, repair, you know, and, but Gabby knows all about that, right? Or, she, you know, it's very indigenous to her. So right. there's a little bit like, you know, it's very written, but there's a little bit of like color that she adds to anything because she really is very invested in that character and, and motherhood and all that. And and uh, being a guy, male parent person, I was like, obviously, please, like, this is yours. Um, mm-hmm. Do as you will. <laughs> you know, like, I, 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 I need your approval and I want your enthusiasm and full heart and mind and everything you're saying. So like, um, so, so there's a few key awesome things that she added that really, to me, make her that character detailed and real. Well, the parenting of her husband is so intense and so uh, beautiful and painful at the same time. Yeah. That, and and that's, I mean, that's a lot The Scoot, right? That's like, Gabby loved Scoot's, what Scoot was doing. We all right. did. Yeah. I think Scoot gave so much, whatever, that sounds cheesy, but it's true, <laughs> like, for the camera and for Gabby and for the story, right? Like, like Scoot went to such an authentic place and just could do it. Like, it's a really quite a virtuosic thing because all the Scoot scenes, they are just, like, written as one line, like, uh, she tries to get him to pack his bags. He won't let her do it, you know? Mm. And then, so in that scene, him spilling everything out, like that's Scoot, right? And, mm. um, or she's talking to him about the, is he sleeping or not, you know? And we had in our prep, me, Gabby and Scoot met with a few different specialists, mental health, different specialists to kind of work out the details. Or we just all were just talking to each other. Like if this happened, what would this person do? Or what, you know, uh, if they're feeling like this, how is it, you know, uh, materialized? And those are really helpful and, and Scoot really ate it up. So, so we kind of had these like jam sessions where we just talk, 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 talk. And it's just like talking about all different kinds of stuff that mm. relates to someone who's going through that. And then Scoot went away and then he came back and he was that guy or he had that stuff just like whew, he had, he had, he had a whole world worked out. So this movie, as you're explaining it also the, the process feel, I mean, you you feel a script, you feel a story but it feels much less constructed in terms of the writing than something like 20th century women where it's, you know, the verbal inter, inter, interconnectedness of that movie, of that storytelling and of Annette's voice and the different voices in it are very literary in a certain way. And yeah. this one is, feels more like a, natu- a documentary that has been created in a way. Is that well, intentional? Is that just the circumstances of making it? Was it, no, well, but but it's interesting. Well, for sure, twentieth has like narration, and so narration always feels like very authorial, obviously, you know, and, and written. Um, but this, like, I'm trying to write a new thing now, right? Mm-hmm. Different new new film, and I'm already missing this movie because this was the most linear story like thing I've ever told. Actually, this is like huh. the most written writerly thing I did. I think, um, and there's there is there is like 25% improvisation, but it's inside my structured scenes. So it's like, you know, there's my scene, which I wrote for a long time and there's the line breaks. And so they're just like playing with their, their line, but this structure is all there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, it's the most casual, casual, is that the word, you know, like. Um, casual or casual? Ca- casual, like the right. action, you know, one action. One leads thing causes the next. 
yeah. Usually I'm, I'm much more collagey and all over. So this one is actually in, in linear time more than most things I do. There's, I, when it breaks linear time, I'm really excited about it. But anyways, it's the most straight story I've ever told. And kind of the most story story I ever told is like more kind of external obstacles and just one thing leading to another, leading to another. So um, in my experience, it's um, reflects that I've been writing some scripts now and I kind of have it a little bit more under my belt. A lot of times I have to find that structure in the edit, like for 20th and beginners, those movies are more amorphous to me. And they're, they're very, I wrote those scripts like three years, but like um, the edit was essential to finding the structure in the story. And this one is much more what I, what you see on the screen is very much what I wrote. And was that your experience in making it? Did it feel like you were just working through it? And getting through yeah. every day and you knew what and, you had kind of oh no no so so but that there is definitely like a lot of coloring right that is surprising or even even you know with actors like gabby and joaquin they could be doing your exact words and woody too and completely surprise you like woody did it a few times um there's a scene where um it's when Jabuki's reading him Star Child and Johnny has left him all day while he's doing interviews in New Orleans and he finds Woody and Woody's been crying. And Woody's saying exactly my lines, but Woody did the thing where it was like, oh, he'd be embarrassed. Mm. And then being 10, he knew that he would be embarrassed that he cried. I, you know, I didn't catch that. So the first take, I was like, what is he doing? It's like, oh, he's embarrassed. Like that's genius. And it's such a different way to read the same lines, you know? Right. So, so always hunting for things, or like, you know, all the tapping and miming and mirroring happened. Mm-hmm. So that just, that came like in the first day of shooting, someone imitated Woody's always doing air drums or something like that. Like just as a 10 year old, you know, mm-hmm. and Joaquin or Gabby did it and they were kind of doing it back and forth. Like, but it's all, you know, just two actors goofing around. And I was like, oh, that's beautiful. Like, can we keep doing that? So I kept asking everyone to do that. So lots of things like that, but I didn't plan or didn't write but then saw and just sort of incorporated more, you know? So is this your, almost your ideal your, to have a strong, really strong backbone in the script and then, and then play magic happen yeah. within the, yeah. I definitely love, I love looking for surprise. I love if everything went exactly as planned, something is wrong for sure. in all my <laughs> movies. And I definitely, I definitely invite actors to bring their intelligence and their authorship to their character. You know, if I'm, if I'm on my game and they ask me a question, I, I should just say like, well, what do you think? You know, that, that should be my answer at all times right. in, my, in my way of doing stuff. And then they would be like, I don't know. And I'd be like, well, what's your hunch? And they'd be like, oh, maybe like this. I'm like, well, that's cool. What does that mean? You know, that, that would be my way of doing it. And then we would go that way. And, right. and, and, and I found that way not to be like, doesn't mean you end up going all over the place in terms of your character development or your story to me it it, it's usually right on the money you know of the Mm -hmm. film that you're making you know so i don't know whether you were coveted out of your original sense of time slot or or release date or whether you did you have more time to edit did you have more time to play with it or did you kind of finish your movie and the time that it was released was based on whatever was going on well yeah i don't know I don't know what would have, it would have been. It. So I finished shooting at the end of January, 2020, started to edit, COVID happened. They would have loved me to be done. Like, let's say COVID didn't happen. They would have loved me to come out in the fall of 2020, 824. Right. As was, I was waiting for it. I asked them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I would have made it. 
because because this film the act the performances are so nuancy and so you could you could cut the same scene so many different ways like more than ever i had that problem because because there was a little bit more improvising but also just like they play it so differently each take and i promote that because i just want them to follow what is true and happening you know and then the interviews with all the with all the kids man that is so malleable and it, and it and it you don't know what's right or wrong till you like cut it together show it to some people get a reaction it's like this endless rubik's cube mm. so i edited from you know march february and and as soon as COVID hits i'm i'm a i'm a homeschool dad until 12 30 right but right. so my days are completely messed up and i'm editing alone it takes us like four or six weeks even to get that really up and running and kind of mm -hmm. semi-functional but i edited from from what was so COVID's March, March till December, like that way, which is insanely long edit. Yeah. But so by the time summer comes on, you just realize that, oh, the fall's gone. The fall's in terms of really releasing your movie yeah. is, is who cares? And who knows if there's even theaters or movies or the, the stakes of life are so much bigger. So right. I kind of felt like I was just working alone in the jungle and who knows if movies even exist anymore. <laughs> and then we did some reshoots and then I edited, so we did some research in January, I had to wait to get the kid huh. back. And then, and then like another month of editing. So it's such a long process yeah. and all alone. And the first time I saw the movie with other people in the same room was at Telluride. Huh. Which so was you terrifying. you went and braved Telluride. <laughs> I love Telluride. It was really, the first time I've been, it was such a beautiful experience. It's so kind of moving and spiritual. Yeah. Not to be in a room with a bunch of people watching your movie. Who really love movies. You have to make an effort to get there. It makes yeah. a big it's a big part of it, I think. Yeah, yeah. And and I think everyone's so appreciative to be together and 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 just the weirdness of like a bunch of strangers going to a dark room to watch your dream. You're right. That's like mm. never been more clear to me, like what a crazy pagan experiment theatrical releases really are. And um, so that was really wonderful. But the first time I saw the movie with all these people, the premiere or whatever, I was seeing glitches. Like I was, I was seeing like the visual glitches and I was hearing glitches and I was like, oh my God, you know, it's just like, this is like a plane disintegrating in the air as it's traveling. And then as it finished, there were some people kind of crying and I was like, it was that bad. It was just that bad, you know? <laughs> And then I saw Gabby and I saw Gabby's face. And I was like, okay, maybe something else happened. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry I missed it. It's a whole complicated story about why I was in a Telluride this year, but um, yeah. I, I adore the movie. I oh, adore so you. Nice. It's, so, it's so nice to see you again. I have it's to say. so nice to see you. And yeah. I have to run because I have to go talk to another director. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like no I'm cheating on you. Other directors don't exist. What are you talking about? Yeah. He's a really good director. It's Michelle Franco, who's the uh, Mexican director who makes very intense. He has a movie called Sundown, which yeah. is another like, whoa, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, thank you for the movie. I'm glad to you. see you. I missed, I somehow I missed seeing you in November. And so they yeah. fixed, they got, they fixed the problem. So I'm very Great. happy to be talking to you. Me too, me too. Because I uh, do adore you. Thank yeah. you again. And I'll see you soon, hopefully. Yeah, thanks so much. I Hopefully it won't be four or five more years. <laughs> you're, you're one of the few things I actually really watch all the time. So it's so it's nice to be on it. Much appreciated and yeah. uh, great to see you. And I look okay. forward to Kate sending okay. a tape. Okay. <laughs> okay, take care. Bye. 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 Bye.